You're listening to Salon Frequency, a podcast for salon professionals that are revolutionizing the texture of salon culture. Welcome back to another episode. So grateful for your presence. Got my girl Frida here. What's up? What's up? It's Frida. It's going to be a great one today. So I want to start off. We're going to kick it off. Just really just get into the vibe today. Let's get into it. So I want to ask you. Mm. I ain't even asked you the question yet. Okay, Frida, what has been the biggest mistake or test that you faced in entrepreneurship and what did you learn from it? Hatsi, I actually know the answer right away. The biggest, so let me say this. Mistake is a weird word for, mistake is a, is a weird word for me. Fair enough. Right, because I really don't, I would equate, mis- I would also say like a mistake, a regret, kind of in the same space. And just as a person, my nature is one that is not very regretful. Yes. That's just how I am. Like, that's just not like woo-woo, like peace and light, harmony. <laughs> Before all of that, I've always been very... No, actually, now that was some mistakes. Uh, so some things in life was definitely mistakes. Shouldn't I wonder how far you had to go back on that one? Yeah, I just <laughs> we should never date it. That so there were some things that were mistakes. But when I think about my where I am now as a professional, Fair right? Enough, yeah. um, biggest mistake, if we're gonna call it that, or I, test, you can say or test, test. Yeah. test. Yeah. I'll go with test. That feels better. Um, I hired someone that I realized early on, not early on, but I realized it was not working and I didn't do anything about it. That was a test for me. And it was to date still something I think about and still something I go back to and pull lessons from Mm. because it was not working for either of us to be fair right and i think we knew that i think they wanted something else i wanted something else and i was afraid to deal with it i didn't know how to deal with it i'd never had to deal with it before and it took so much courage and this my my brother works in human resources and i literally like i was like i need a consultation like I need help you to, me. I help. need you to help me. I need you to be my my HR department. I still joke with him that he is the head of HR. He is all of <laughs> HR. Um, he's not on payroll because I really, I really, Jocelyn did not know how to deal with it, and I was so nervous. Like my stomach would bubble, mm-hmm. and I've been there. I, every time we would talk, I would get nervous and uncomfortable, and it needed to be dealt with. And and I mean, I was talking to other salon owners, getting their input. And I feel like sometimes when we keep getting advice from outside sources, yep. you know the answer. You know the answer. You know it's already the answer. there. It's already yep. there, but you just want somebody to validate it or you just, you're postponing the inevitable. And that is what I was doing. And finally, I just had to, to sit down and push through because it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, it was so uncomfortable having the conversation. I Because a part of me didn't want to. I, I felt like I had failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I felt like you should have did this a long time ago. Um, I felt like I was putting them in a bad situation. Yeah. There was just so many feelings. And in hindsight, 
we are actually friends now. We actually get along very well now. We get along better now than we did then. And not that we didn't get along then. Like we weren't at each other's throats. Nothing like that. It literally was just so often. I think when people are working in places, we're always wanting. So if I'm the employee, I want to be accepted. And as the boss or people look at the boss and I think they think, oh, well, she's the boss. She's good. She's got everything she needs. And oftentimes that's actually not true. It's not true. Furthest thing from the truth. It's, it is not true. I think a lot of times when there are employees and somebody is let go from a position, sometimes, oftentimes, it was probably the best for both people. Yes. Both people, most yes. of the time. Now I'm not talking about your C level position. All the people who I think there was a big organization recent recently that laid off about twelve thousand people. That's completely different. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's impacting the economy. But one to one, when a person has been laid off. Small business. Small business, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times it was probably the best decision for both people. And in the end, this was the best decision. But when I was in the midst of it, it was very- didn't feel that way? Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. feel that way. There were two parts to your question. You said, what was my biggest- What was the, what was the biggest test? And then what did you learn from it? Yeah. Uh, I learned to speak up. Yeah. I learned to speak up, which is interesting because most people would say, I don't seem to have a problem speaking up at all. But you'd be surprised. I actually do sometimes. Like There are conversations that I just, just don't want to have. I don't- I didn't want to have that conversation. I learned to speak up. I learned to recognize when something is not working yeah. and to do something about it. There is an adage in business, which is to hire slow and fire fast. Mm. I am still working on, I guess you could say I'm still working on the hire slow. Not that I hire people every other week. That is not true at all. But the fire fast, I've gotten good at the fire fast. Yeah. I've gotten very good at the fire fast. And the last time, there was another situation where I let someone go. I made the decision in 24 hours. It's a big step. Yeah. 24 hours. <laughs> step in the right direction. I went from months to to less than a day. I was like, this isn't it. What does it feel like when it's like not working? It was a... The, the most recent situation was such that the person was late mm. on the first day. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to go. She was late. <laughs> She was late the first day. Say less. <laughs> and so that right there. Yeah. And I am a believer in first, second, third, 15th chances because God has given me more than that. I am a strong believer in getting opportunities to try and try again that ultimately most people are doing the best that they can. I really do believe that. And if somebody says timeliness is important and the best you can is to be late then it goes back to what I said earlier, then this is not a good fit for the both of us. Because your situation is such that being on time is hard for you. And that is okay. Being late is not okay for me. So then we don't need to vibe. Yeah. At this stage, right? Right. Yeah. We don't need to. So they were late. There were some conversations. There's a certain energy that we keep at the salon. You don't have to be there for six months to know it. I think there are also just certain things that you don't talk about off the break. We're not going to talk about, please don't talk about politics on your first day. We're not going to talk about COVID on our first day. We're not going to talk about your position on vaccinations on that. Like those are very delicate topics. And I am, I am comfortable with people's position on many different things, whether I agree or not, I can still be comfortable with it. What I'm not going to do is on the first day of work, spout all of my positions on all of those things at once. Right. At one time. At one time. So again, if you are the kind of person who needs to do that, 
this is probably not the place for you. And so that go that goes back to, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person. You fired this person. That's so unfair. We got to flip that. Yeah. This was not a good fit for that person. Yeah. I don't want to, if, if I have strong positions on something and I want to talk about it, I don't want to work somewhere where I can't. Exactly. Right. I, I just don't. I, I do not. I have strong positions on X, Y, Z. At some point, it's going to come up. If you don't feel comfortable with me talking about it, I don't want to be here. So that is what I learned, that I, there is a culture that I want to maintain. It does not take me long to, to recognize whether or not somebody is a good fit for that, that I don't have to belabor something for months and months and get all of my feelings and my chest is tight and my breathing is weird and I'm having these anxiety and these headaches. I don't have to do all of that. This ain't it, sis. Yeah, this is not it. We got to This ain't our it. Ways. Yeah. So yeah. that was it for me. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I, I like your answer. <laughs> Your answer was great. That was it. That was it. I feel, do I I need to say anything? I don't, I I feel like I don't need to say anything. But also because I feel like my response to this in business, what was my biggest mistake or Mm -hmm. biggest test? um, It also centered around hiring. Granted, it wasn't hiring an employee, although those are huge tests. It was hiring an accountant Mm -hmm. for my business. Mm -hmm. And me personally not knowing what the numbers meant, what the numbers needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so in hiring that accountant and feeling like, okay, I can just push this off. I don't have to deal with it because I hired an accountant. I'm paying the money every month. They're going to deal with it. And I'm absolved from any type of bookkeeping, accounting, financial responsibility in this business that I want to make money. Mm-hmm. Big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. Um, and I was tested in that I needed to learn to get comfortable with uncomfortable conversations yeah around money like uncomfortable conversations period period but particularly around money particularly around money in business and i also needed to what i learned from it was that i needed to pour into myself about learning about bookkeeping Mm -hmm. financial reporting and accounting so that i can better direct the person that i've hired like it's it's a lesson that just applies across the board, but especially when I felt like I was hearing conversations in entrepreneurship about okay, just hire an accountant, mm-hmm. hire a lawyer, mm-hmm. hire I can't remember the third position they always talk about having that you need, but hire those people and they will do it. But the yeah. reality is you need to learn those things first and then hire or delegate. Yes. Once doing that so much for yourself is starting to impact the money that you could be making. Mm -hmm. But I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make some money and I just can pay them and I can pay them, but they have no direction. They're going to send you wherever. Yeah. And that wasn't where I wanted to go because I I have a vision and they weren't aligned with it. So I think, I don't, I think that I agree with you hundred percent. You, you have to know something. You don't have to become, you don't have to get a CPA yourself. (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> but you do need to know if if there are particular goals that you have for your business, you have to know like what key performance indicators are going to get you there. So if you're just so one of the things in my account and I talk about is the revenue that's coming in. I like to hear that number, but what I care about more is the profit. Yeah. Cause the the revenue coming in could be three million dollars. Yep. But if all we're keeping is a hundred K. 
Something gotta give. Something's got to give. give. Where's the hundred two? Where's the rest of it going? Like something is off. So I think depending on what your financial goals are, depending on what your business goals are, you do have to have at least a basic understanding of what is your accountant providing for you. It can't just be, I just you know, I they they log into my uh, bank account, they see my statements, they transfer them to QuickBooks. And then they spit back out to me, this is your profit and loss. This is how much you spent on advertising. This is how much you spent on products. And this is how much you yeah, made you this can year. Just, you can see all that yourself. Like, right. I need like it that's, to make more sense. You need it to make sense. Yeah. So the, the weird thing about lessons, I find, I think that you end up getting quicker with how you respond to it when it happens because you've had that test before. So it usually doesn't take you as long to be like, mm, no, been here, done that. Yep. I'm not going to do that again. But I don't know that it really gets less uncomfortable. I feel like, the dis- at least for me, the discomfort is still there. I'm not like, yes, I get to fire somebody today. It's, there's no joy in that. But And especially when, like at least for me, if the person is otherwise doing a great job. Right, because that's the weird part. I don't know. I'm a Capricorn, so I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that. Like, I'm like, oh, let me tell you all the ways. But I'm working on myself. I'm working on myself in that regard. I think, like, I don't know. Sometimes I'll find like, wow, you do X, Y, Z really well, but this still not working. Yeah, I mean, but I guess then you really don't do it really well because it should. Most of it should work, or rather, there is too much room for improvement right now. And I, at this okay. time, don't have the space to nurture and cultivate that. Yeah. Because, you know, people are always growing. It's just, okay, are you growing at the level in which mm-hmm. my business is growing currently and projected to grow? Like, yeah. are you going to keep up? Are you, you holding us up? back? Because they say, you know, as a team, as a business, you're only as strong as your smartest, weakest person. You're weak, yes. So so what are they doing? Yeah. And, and yeah. And how are they growing? Which is... Or rather, it thinking about that question because okay. it, that question was really from my card game, the Anne. Well, not my card game, but the okay. the, the Anne card game. I have heard of this oh, game. You have it's like conversation starters. And okay, we do them in the salon. Okay. I do them with my students. Like it's just a way to kind of okay. open up topics of conversation. Okay, I felt like this question, the question of mistakes and lessons, is is really like. A test of faith mm-hmm. versus fear, which I feel like is the crux of entrepreneurship, right? Goodness. And so as we think about stylists and professionals being revolutionary in this industry, mm-hmm. the thought came up to me, um, or rather the, I remember the experience when I was first getting into entrepreneurship or as I was beginning to navigate entrepreneurship, just thinking of when did I not feel supported Mm. by my family, my friends in my entrepreneurship journey and like what it looked like to navigate that. You know, because I feel like, because at least for me, my side, there's not a lot of entrepreneurship there. Yeah. And the, the decisions and the, um, awareness that you have as an entrepreneur it's not the same as someone who's can wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. do a job do a service do a task and know at the end of the week or at the end of the month they're getting a paycheck and they know exactly what that paycheck is going to be like yeah we have a lot more decisions to make so did you ever feel unsupported 
as Bef- an entrepreneur? My last nine to five job before becoming a full-time hairstylist or be, or just being out of cosmetology school behind the chair, leaving, leaving corporate America behind was working as a, I forget the title. I sold radio advertising for a radio station and account executive. And it was an a hundred percent commission job, a hundred percent commission. So they had what they called a draw. And so you were paid, maybe your draw was $2,500. So every month, let's say on the first of the month, you would get a paycheck for $2,500. That was your draw. At the end of the month, they would total up all of your commissions from your radio sales. So let's say my total radio commissions were $10,000. Less my draw. So now my paycheck is $7,500. So at the end of the month, I get a paycheck for $7,500. I did that job for four years. I did that job very well. But it was the first time that I had a job where my output was my income was directly tied to my output. Yeah. I say I tell that story because that was the beginning of people needing to be or not necessarily being supportive because my job required that I constantly be working. Yeah. Because it was 100 100% commission, which is essentially being an entrepreneur. Yeah, if you don't work, you don't eat. If I don't work, I don't eat. Yeah. And so I was in my 20s at the time. Most of the companies that I was representing as an account executive were nightclubs in the D.C. area. So I spent a lot of time, probably too much. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in nightclubs, many of which are closed, most of which are closed now. This was almost 20 years ago. But I spent a lot of time in nightclubs. And nightclubs are a weekend, evening and weekend business. Yes. And I was in a relationship. And I think at some point it became challenging because here I am, a young woman in her 20s in a nightclub all the time. Looking good. Looking, looking fine. good. Looking okay. fine. Feeling good. A little two-step. You know, having my little drink of choice at the time. It was a vodka tonic with a splash of lime. I do remember that. Don't Ow. drink it anymore. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, getting to, I'm going somewhere with this. I think that it got to the point where I was working so much that it's hard to feel supported when you're when you're working mm, that much. Yeah. And that is what the beginning of entrepreneurship looks like. You're putting out a lot. You are do forget about a niche. Yeah. You doing everybody's doing hair. Everyone's hair. You, all I, the you want a relaxer, you want extensions, you want braids, you want feed ins, you want extensions, you want pencil Deep curls, you want yes. more cells, you want color, semi permanent, demi permanent, or or you know, full like whatever you want, you can get it and I'm gonna do it. And when you're hustling like that, it's I, I don't think I really, I think that people around me were being supportive as best as they could be. Yeah. I really do. But there were those birthday parties. I'm going to be late. I can't come to that. I might have to miss that. Usually it was a bunch of I'm going to be late. It was a lot of I'm going to be late. I, 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 I think time wise, I felt like everybody had an opinion about my time. Why can't she be here? Why can't she do That could have just mm. been in my head. Yeah. I don't know if that was reality, but again, I always say perception is reality. So that's what it felt like to me. I think that because I've always hustled financially, I just always try to figure out a way to make the numbers work, even when I had three clients and I wasn't. So I don't, I don't know if I could say I wasn't I think the people around me thought they were supporting me yeah. as be- because I'd already come from an environment of hustle, which was the job that I had at the radio station. I'd already been in that environment for four years. And so I knew what it was like to constantly be hustling, to constantly feel like I got to work, I got to work. And so I think that I've 
been that way for so long, the people around me got used to it. Yeah. So I think that they were supportive in terms of how how I felt. I don't I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> no, it did. It I don't did. Know. It's you had practice with the yes. faith that it yes. required to be an entrepreneur. Yes. Before everything. Before I became an entrepreneur. And all the things, right? Because you still got a check. So you still had an HR running. Okay, here's, yes. here's your paycheck yes, coming in. I did. Like, and making sure that you're getting paid. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like when you're beginning as an entrepreneur, you can equate whatever the business is bringing in with this is the money that you made. Mm-hmm. And there are expenses that the business may incur but because you're still working in it, you're not right. accounting for it. It's like, all you. It can blend. And yeah. It can blend in a not so good way. Yeah. So I get, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. For sure. Did you feel supported? I felt supported transitioning okay. into entrepreneurship from corporate for sure. Like everyone, like I was dissatisfied, felt unsuccessful, unhappy with mm-hmm. where my life was at the time. And everyone around me, family, was like, just go for it. Like, just quit and just Oh, they go. didn't say that. <laughs> no, they was like, just go for it. And I was like, okay, bet. Like, okay. But at the same time, and this is hindsight, at the same time, I was not supported. Yeah. Because what I know to be true now is you can, yes men, people that just tell you yes to all the things all mm-hmm. the time, aren't necessarily people that are wanting you to grow. They just, okay, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Versus I know for me, like, how long have I been here? I've been in entrepreneurship for about 13 years. Okay, congratulations. Thank you. I want to say it's about 13 years. Now, officially, like- Right. No, but I've been without a corporate job, shall we say, for 13 years. And what I know to be true, what I needed at that time, Mm -hmm. and what I also need at this time is an environment of other entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and an an environment that challenges me, that is not just going to tell me yes, Mm -hmm. that is not just going to affirm every single decision that I have, like a sounding board, a community, if you will, of people that are also dealing with those struggles. Now, I didn't know I needed that. I just thought, hey, I can be around the same exact people Mm -hmm. in the same exact spaces. It's just I don't have a corporate nine to five type of job. But for my mindset, that was the most unsupportive place that I could have been. So I felt supported and I didn't feel supported. So so that part, when you said everybody was like, go for it. Nobody said go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Some people did. But there were some people who were like, wait, so let me get this right. You're going to leave your good job with benefits to do hair? Like, I remember one of my coworkers, he specifically was like, "If, if, and I quote, Ish must be bad if people are leaving radio to do hair. And the fact that I still remember that lets you know that, you know, it's it stung a little bit. 
I believed, and, and to this day, and I always have been this way, I believed wholeheartedly in what I was going to build, what I was going to create. Did not need anybody else to validate that. Yeah. Whether they were close to me, colleagues or whomever, associates, friends, whatever. I did not need anybody else to validate that. But it is a bit unsettling when you have when people around you, close to you or otherwise, who are just like, really? Yeah. So you just gonna you just gonna do hair, and then they said do hair like it was like oh that you I was collecting mm. rocks like yeah like it, it was it, some little play thing. To my son, there's nothing wrong with collecting rocks. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. But I get what you're saying, right? I get and ooh, that's a whole like it was just this sort of you so just, you do just hair? gonna do hair, yes. Like oh yes, it used to sting. So mm. I think when I when you ask a question, I think about people the people closest to me. Did what needed to be done for the most part. And maybe some of it I just don't remember. But I do, I do, now that you mentioned, I do remember some people just being like, you don't have no clients. And and why why not? Oh, that was one thing that I think in cosmetology school was said to me. Why don't you just do hair part-time mm. and work up to building your clientele? Because for real, Jocelyn, I literally had no clients. Yeah. Like that was back when your clients was like your mama, <laughs> your sister-in-law. Exactly. Shout out to my sister-in-law. Like your mama, your sister-in-law, uh, your grandma, your grandmother, your, your, your cousin. Your cousin your ha- and again, it goes back to what I said earlier. And you don't all don't none of them had locks. Doesn't matter. Hey, none of them had locks. You can get it too. But you were doing that hair, and look, I was a licensed cosmetologist. I could do all the things. Right. I could do pedicures if I, I wanted to. I was going to say hair, skin, and nails. I, listen, I could do all Makeup. the things. So, and I was doing all the things because that was my hustle, and I've always had a hustler spirit. But yeah, there were definitely some folks who were just like, really? That's, yeah. That's, and so what's weird is now, 14 years later, doesn't seem like 14 years. I'm, I'm not even a very high, like if they could see me now, I, I don't care about that. Yeah. I, most of those people who were na- naysayers, I, I don't even speak with anymore because I'm sure that was a part of it, right? Yeah. But I knew what the vision was. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have got to see, you got to know, I, even- You got to see it. Right. Like, yes. you don't even have to see my vision. Yeah. I got to see my you vision. You got to see it I have yourself. to see my vision. And I have to know that this thing is going to go somewhere yes. and either get on the train or get off the train. Mm. It's completely up to you. But the train is leaving the station regardless, whether you support it or not. And I think that is what, uh, that is a- typical trait of an entrepreneur that you are like the train is leaving the station and it is headed downtown are you coming or not yeah but the with entrepreneurship is the keep going because there are always going to be those stops mm-hmm. every time you tell people the train is coming mm-hmm. you tell people your Let's vision go. and Let's idea go. they're going to put stops on you yes but you still got to keep going yeah and i know for me i was i was stopping I was like, oh, you guys don't think that's a good idea? Oh, you don't think I should? Yeah. And I, and I would shrink yeah. from time to time, you know? But then it it's like, okay, I'm shrinking because of what you believe to be true. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't see it. I saw it. But then I told you, and you told me it's not possible. Could it happen? It's it's no, no. And then I was like, oh, okay, maybe you're right. And I settled in that. And then I'm just yeah. like, no, but I could actually. Yeah, I it's just, this. I stop. I pause. Yeah. But I kept going. But I feel like entrepreneurship is that constant, like, faith over fear. Faith over fear. Yes. And then people will put your put their fears on you when they're not in your mindset, when they're not. They don't know. Along your, yes. Do, do you, do you ever disqualify yourself? How do you introduce yourself? <laughs> How do you introduce yourself? That is a very tough one for me. And I often spend a lot of time writing it. Writing <laughs> it down. 
because I want to be able to articulate it well. And at one point I made it an affirmation and I'm stalling to try to remember that. Okay. It's fine. uh, (laughs) I'm going to tell you why I ask, because there was a period where I did two things. And one of them was rooted, I think, in insecurity. Mm-hmm. I would say that I was, I did hair. Yes. I'm a hairstylist. Yes. But at some point, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I'm also not easily embarrassed. I would let it casually come up that I have a four-year degree. Yeah. And that I have a background in finance and accounting. Yeah. And that I used to work for some really, really big impressive yeah. companies yeah. like I would let that come up in the conversation like I almost especially depending on the environment right depending yeah. on you know the, the circle and, and and I'm at some you know situation and everybody here is degreed at a minimum bachelor's degree bunch of PhDs walking around and I just felt like you know it needed to it, and it yes. always would because yes. when you're around a certain type of people they, your, they your pedigree what school you, go to? What school yeah. you went to yep. and yep. what year did you graduate and did you know this person and what'd you study and oh have you ever heard of so it, it it always would come up. So yeah. it wasn't an easy thing to sort of slide into the conversation. But I always I would make sure that it got into the conversation because somehow I felt I needed to let them know that I'm not just a, a hairstylist. Oh my god, I'm not just a hairstylist. Mm. And it wasn't really until I'm gonna say in the mm. past maybe. To, and then and so then when I was in a salon suite for 13 years, nothing wrong with a salon suite at all. I was still saying I was a hairstylist. And I don't remember the shift, but there was a moment where I started to say, I'm a salon owner. Yeah. I own a hair salon. And I felt like a fraud initially saying it, I think as we often do when we first, you know, put on the armor of something new. I felt like a fraud because it was like, I'm not really a salon owner. Like I'm in a suite and well, yeah, I got employees and well, yeah, I got payroll, but I'm not. But the more I started to say it and the more I started to say it to certain people, one person in my life in particular, my niece, she would be like, Frida, you run a business like you have a legit company you're legit doing payroll you're paying people miles are being like yeah why are you you know i'm a hairstylist and i feel like you know so going back to your question i want to answer that yes i want to answer that because i write it down and i have all the things because i do so much you do right and so it would often depend on who I was speaking to and what they, why they were inquiring what I do. Okay. But the short answer of that question, or how do I introduce myself? I empower women through hair care. I love that. Like, period. And so then we can get into all the ways I do that. Yes, all the ways. Multi-hyphenate. Thank you. Exactly. All the ways in which <laughs> yes, I do yes, it. Yes, yes, But those, was it was necessary. Yeah. I had to come to terms with it's okay for me to say, and then I would, I would, I would try not to say I'm a hairstylist. I would mm-hmm. say I'm a cosmetologist, and I'd be like, "Oh, people probably not even want to know what that is." <laughs> what, it, what it is that I do, <laughs> and then, and then as soon as I say, "Oh, I'm a cosmetologist," they would say, "Oh, so you just do hair?" Oh, so you do hair? And I'm like, I'm I mean, just, but, uh, but actually, I do locks, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Try to make it more fancy, yeah. right? Because it's not enough, and then, and then it's always the look that people have, like. Mm. Mm. I'm just like, but now, but this is, this is at least a decade ago yeah. that it was like that. I feel like now we're in a space where you can say mm. I'm a hairstylist and people associate that with money. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, sure. you got bad, like, because mm-hmm. they can see it. But I feel like back then, no, it's just like yeah. somebody that's just working, slaving. Right. Day, evenings, weekends. Right. Playing not making, hair. And not making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. A lady said to me, which I thought was so um, elitist. 
the people, my people. We I'm at the playground with the boys, and it was a Saturday. And she was like, "How'd you get the set? Aren't you a hairstylist? How'd you get Saturdays off?" I said, "Well, first of all, I own the joint. Yeah. So there's that. I love that. Right. <laughs> I think like that was slowly how I just became more comfortable. Like I own the the MF. Yeah. So yeah. Right. There's that part. Um. Secondly. It's 2022, sis, and people are choosing their own work schedules. Yeah. Like, whether I own a place or not, stylists are choosing their own work schedules. Commissioned, hourly, whatever. Yeah. People are people are in a position where they're like, post-COVID, I know the life I want to have. I know the hours I want to work. But why? This person was a lawyer. No shade mm. to lawyers. But why are you making an assumption about yeah. my schedule? And I think and that- And I have to work. Right. Yeah. And that was the thing that, that would bother me when I felt like, I just do hair. I just- Because I always felt, and maybe I was internalized, that people were making assumptions about- like you said, how much money I make, yeah. that I'm just sitting around planning people's hair, that I'm not making any money, that this is just a little cute little hobby and it's just what the cute little girls do. Like, I internalize those things. And so whether she meant it that way or not, that was how I often would receive it. Yeah. When people would ask me what I do and I would tell them. And that, that's weird because that's my thing. Like, yeah. that's, I feel like I like to take responsibility for my feelings. Whether she meant it that way or not, I don't work on the weekends. Yep. I don't know why you think every hairstylist does. I know back in the 80s, maybe they did. Yeah, they had to. I mean, that's that was the idea, right? right. They had to, yeah. But no, I think I think there should be comfort in saying, I empower women. I, I yeah. do, I'm a cosmetologist. Like whichever title of yours you want to list, there should be no discomfort. But, wh- but why do you think we, where do you think that's rooted in? Like, why do you think we were inclined to almost downplay it or to, to almost overthink that I mean, introduction. I mean, that is, it's, for me, I believe it goes back to just the uh, masculinity. What is it? Patriarchy? The patriarchy. It goes back to the patriarchy. <laughs> if somehow we always get it always there. Goes, it always goes back to the patriarchy. But there was a time, a large time when hair was mainly women. Yeah. It was mostly women, and then barbers was mostly men. Mm-hmm. So I feel I'm not a man, and I'm not a barber, but I imagine that a man would have no issue saying I'm a barber and feeling no. feeling secure None. and, and, and are fine so cool. with that, right? Barbers are so cool. But as a stylist, and I, I just, and this is my opinion, my perspective, okay. growing up in the salon and the environment that I was around, it was almost not respected. Like the women in the salon did not respect themselves mm-hmm. enough to take their power back mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship, which which I um, mean in the terms of their time. So like, it was never, these are my hours. I'm mm-hmm. not working on the weekend. No. I'm not working. It's like, when can you come in? That is when I'm going That's to acquiesce to wherever you... I'm, I'm here when you're here. I'm here when you're here, yeah. right? So they didn't have um, control of their time. Um, they also would overwork themselves, pack mm-hmm. people in and not eat, not make time to sit down. And so it was almost like servitude, if you will. Mm-hmm. So for me, that is what I had internalized this service to, mm-hmm. this title. If I tell people I'm a hairstylist, they are going to assume I'm just a public servant. Yeah. And a public servant, not in the, the space of like a firefighter or a police officer, which is like, oh my gosh, they are yes. great purpose. It's like a, 
you're just a servant to the public. Just, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, why I think just that's where that hair. title came from. Yeah. Or that feeling of that title was. But we letting that go. Oh, for sure. I, I know I definitely carried that same energy early on. Like, I, I, I have always enjoyed doing hair. Yeah. But it was never a career. It was never something I considered as a career as a young woman finishing high school. I knew that I was going to go to college. I just knew I never the I always say that the hairstylists were like the cool girls. Um they dated the really cool guys. They just had this sort of I don't know this this almost sort of je ne sais quoi about them that yeah. I just could not I I was not a part of. I did not possess. And I also I, I, it's weird to say that I didn't think I was qualified to be that cool, mm. but also to say in the same breath, and yet I would discount being a hairstylist, right? Because if the first is true that I think hairstylists are the cool girls and the cool guys, and then I become one, and now I'm just like, am I? That, it's almost like it's imposter syndrome. It is right because am I cool enough to say that I'm a hairstylist? Yes. But then what are you going to think about me? Say, like there are all of these different fighting ideals in my head, yeah. like. Well, the hairstylists are the cool kids. Okay, well, now I'm a hairstylist. So then, therefore, I'm a cool kid. But no, am I cool enough? And are you going to think I'm cool enough? Or maybe you're going to think I'm just some around-the-way girl who... And then what if I am? Yeah. What if I am just some around-the-way girl who just does hair and has fun and and spends all her money on whatever I want to spend? Like, isn't that also my business? Yeah. I just... This whole idea of, like, downplaying ourselves, it's so self-destructive. Particularly because it's in our head. It's in our head. Oh, yeah. my, oh my goodness, it's in our head. No we, one's ever at the party actually saying, <laughs> Oh, you're a cool one. Oh, you're right, it. right. Like, who's giving out these awards? We are in our yeah, head. In our heads. We just got to get out of our heads. We got to get out of our heads. Yeah. So, Frida, with that, how can we raise our frequency? How can we challenge ourselves to? get out of our heads or to operate in more faith or just to take on those mistakes yeah. and things or tests that life throws at us, entrepreneurship throws at us. I think we got to own who we are and where we are. I think it's so important to, I am a hairstylist. I'm also a salon owner. Like you can do whatever the hell you want with those titles. Cause that's your stuff. Yeah. That is not my stuff. What I earn, what the business earns, what hours I work it's really none of anybody's business at all. It, it, it really yeah. isn't. And, and why you are using that, like how how much of the patriarchy is that to be qualifying me by my career? Like yeah. that is so, I hate those conversations when I'm at the playground with the kids. And people, <laughs> what oh, do you, so, so what do you what do? do? What do you want to know? Watch your business. Watch your business. Like I'm here with the kids. I'm, whatever I do, I'm, I'm not doing it right, right now. I'm like, mind your business. That so part. I think it's very much of getting in a place, whether it is our mistakes making pivots and learning from our mistakes, announcing what we do is owning it, right? Like I am learning how to hire and fire. I am taking notes. I'm trying to figure it out. I am a hairstylist. I love what I do. If something about that makes you uncomfortable, that is yours. But I think the first step is me saying it with confidence and not feeling like I have to qualify it with my education or my previous work experience. But also, again, we can only be responsible for ourselves. Y'all gotta, people gotta stop trying to qualify other people. Yes. Like, it is not your responsibility to be like, oh, she must be legit because, like a guy said to me at the gym one day, he was talking about, he asked me what I did. He was a personal trainer and and why he wasn't personal training, I don't know. He was (laughs) busy talking all up in my face, talking to me the whole time I'm trying to work out. 
And at some point, he's like, what do you do? I said, I'm a salon owner. Ow. Okay. What? <laughs> and he was like, oh, how long you been doing that? And I was like, well, gosh, I've been over 14 years now, right? And he goes, oh, you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like, you for real, for real. And I was like, I mean, I am I for real, for real? Because I said 14 years? Because wouldn't I be for yeah. real, for real at a year? Right. Like, I was for real, for real at a year. Right. With two I'm clients. I'm for real here, right. Right. Yeah. Like, I was for real when I had two clients. I was for real when I had 200 clients. Like, I, I, the older I get, the more I'm learning just to own exactly where I am, where I've, how far I've come. We got to mm. own it. Yes. We got to own it, guys. Like, we got to be comfortable with who you are, where you are, what you're doing. You're figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still learning. We're there are people who are doing it out. differently than me. Mm. What about you? How do you feel like? I mean, yes to everything you said. Yeah. I feel like if I had to put it in a, like a, a pretty package or mm-hmm. a bow for like a how how you could take the conversation that we just had because i feel like that's it's a very powerful conversation in entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. salon entrepreneurship specifically take some time to figure out your introduction your title how you introduce yourself mm-hmm. what is it what are you going to own about yourself or what you do and identify or yeah, identify your, who you are without that title. You know what I mean? Right. Because I feel right. like one is putting out there what you've built, what you're building. Mm-hmm. I do X or this is what I do. But the other is you walking in your power. Like this does not define who you are. And you don't need to be tied to what you do. Like what you do is not does not define you. It's you not know, who you are. It's not who you are, yeah. right? So I feel like both of those are really important mm-hmm. assets to have as an entrepreneur, especially an entrepreneur that's an heir. Yeah. Yeah, because we spend our time doing so much for other people. That just taking that time, going back to taking the time yeah. for yourself, to define yourself. And how, because basically how, how you define yourself is who you are. Yes. That really how is you it. you define yourself. Right. How you, keyword here, right. how you define yourself is who you, you are. You can think of me whatever you like. I can't control that. But how I define, my son said the other day, he's like, mommy, what if somebody um, did such and such and they made fun of you? And he was, get, he was basically getting into what other people think. And I said, baby, what other people think of me is none of my business. Period. Now, granted, I said it to him with confidence. So working on that. But it is, it doesn't make it any less true. Yes. I meant it to him. I said, and I know that it's hard sometimes. I said, but what other people think of me is really none of my business because I can't control it. And the fact of the matter is two things can be true. Two things are true. They're going to think of me whatever they want to think of me. Also, people aren't thinking about me as much as I think they are. Okay? <laughs> a little self-important right there. They're actually not thinking about you as much as you think that they are. And then if they are, they need to get a life. Yeah. Because I should not be the thing. You are not my husband or my child. I should not be the thing that you're thinking about that much. Yeah. So defining who you are, I love that. Defining exactly who you are. Being ready for those moments. Yeah. Right? It may seem like a small thing, but how you introduce yourself. And then standing in that proudly. Yeah. And then distinguishing between who you are and what you do. There was something I used to listen to. And in the beginning of her um, podcast, she would say, um, why don't you tell the people who you are? And sometimes they would say what they do, and then sometimes they would say who they are. Those are two different things. I'm about to just go into dinner parties. Like, I'd be at dinner parties. And they're like, you know, so what do you do? I bring joy. 
Yes. I'm a joy maker. Yes. I'm yes. a joy maker. I make women feel good. And, and it's so intriguing. I feel yes. like it's it's much more, it's alluring. It is. That's the word. It yes. is. And I ain't even like, damn, what's she? Who you talking to? I was talking to the one that make people feel good. <laughs> I was talking to the, the, the joy giver, the dream maker. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make some time, make some space for us, please. If you can, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review and let us know who you are in the, yeah. in the, in the review. Tell us what you do and who you are. You I love it. Find us, you know, online on these internet streets at Salon Frequency and at It's Freedom Brown. Yes. Peace. That was good. That was good.